I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Please be seated. I don't actually remember too much theology from my Catholic school days growing up, but I do remember which saint helps us to find stuff that goes missing. For those of you who didn't grow up with this, with this theological training, there is a guy to whom you can pray if you've lost something who will help you find it. I'm, I'm not talking about lost causes. That's another saint altogether. I'm talking about specifically lost items. Who among us can remember who I'm talking about? St. Anthony. Anthony of Padua. That, that is correct. If, at a as a third grader at Our Lady of Grace Catholic School in North Carolina, I lost my library book, it was suggested to me by Mrs. Fay that, uh, that I should pray to St. Anthony to help me find it. This is true for all of us. This is religion you can use. If you lose your, your reading glasses or your wallet, pray to St. Anthony and he'll help you find it. And here we are in the modern era. You can't find your phone? No problem. Just pray to St. Anthony and he'll call it for you. <laughs> okay, this is, I'm having fun. But you know, there's actually something really lovely about this. It's the idea that the cosmic order is on our side and that the saints even want to help us with those little things. Though in those moments where you can't find your wallet uh, or, or your wedding ring or your vaccine card, at moments when you really need it, suddenly those little things are not so little anymore. The passage this morning is something about finding things. But this parable of the lost coin tells a little bit of a different story than, than what I'm talking about with St. Anthony. And to get there, I want you to think about the refined art of playing hide-and-seek with a small child. This is something about which I am something of an expert. Now, the point of the game, I assume we've all played hide-and-seek, right? Okay, the point of the game is to either hide for as long as possible or to find all the others as quickly as possible. But that isn't really the point of the game, right? The, the, the real point of hide-and-seek is what we feel when we play especially if we're imagining as a parent seeking their child. The thrill of the hunt, the fun of finding that perfect hiding space. It is a lot of fun to play this with kids in the cathedral, by the way. There's a lot of really, really good hiding places. The, fun, the tension you feel as that seeker kind of comes close to you and then walks past you and hasn't found you. Or, or the problem-solving, if you're the one seeking, of trying to figure out where everybody is and then suddenly having to figure out how long you can get away with the ruse of not actually knowing where they all are. And then, when you find the ones that you've been looking for, the joy. 
the pent-up energy being released of being found, especially if it's your own child. They want to jump out of their hiding space and give you a big hug. It's a beautiful mix of relationship and playfulness. And the end result isn't a game that has been won or lost. The end result is the joy of the reunion. The woman who loses her coin and then sweeps the whole house, and this just wasn't a quarter, this was, this was a drachma, this was maybe a tenth of her in whole wealth, if not more. She's one of the most relatable folk in all of Scripture because I think we all know what it's like to lose something that's valuable that you need in the moment. Has this happened to all of us? It's happened to me twice today already. So I think we all know what, what this is like. And because she goes through something that we humans know very well, she opens up, it seems familiar, but then it's, it has another story. It opens up a window into how God sees us and how God pursues us. The lost parable, the coin parable of the lost coin disrupts and then disorients us so that suddenly we begin, begin to see the world not as through our own eyes, but through God's eyes and gives us a vision through this woman of how God seeks us. You see that? We start the story recognizing ourselves in this person who has lost a coin, and we think, oh, that's us. And then we look a little more closely, and we realize, oh, no, wait, that's God. And that's God looking for us. This is a story about how God <coughs> values each and every one of us. None of us can be... None of us are pennies who have slipped beneath God's couch cushions, never to be found again. None of us can be replaced with a click to whatever God would use instead of Amazon. Each of us is infinitely more valuable than that. Each of us, to God, is a treasured thing, a wedding ring, a letter from a family member, an heirloom worthy of a search where in that moment... Nothing else matters. In that moment, nothing else matters. Though there's a little more to this. Because this story of finding the coin comes alongside the story of finding the one lost sheep, the one out of, out of 100, when the other 99 are behaving just fine, these two very similar stories come and, and the timing of this means something because Jesus is telling a story to the Pharisees and the scribes. You see, the Pharisees and the scribes had come close to Jesus and had begun, I just love this, they had begun to grumble. Let me hear your best grumble. Go ahead. Ooh, that's good. Grumble, 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 grumble. Yeah, that's, that's what Jesus was surrounded with. He had stereophonic grumbling. They were grumbling because Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners. Now, now tax collectors, come on, they were legitimately bad. They were exploiting 
all the people to take as much money as they could. And the sinners, well, I think we all know what the sinners were up to, right? I think, though, Jesus was saying something far more than just, we need to include them too. I think Jesus was saying to those upright church folk, those grumblers, that they were quite missing the point. They were missing out on the joy that, that comes from being found, from the joy of being in a relationships, relationship with the one who delights in the recovery of the lost far more than in the good behavior of the 99, which of course defies all economic logic and all common sense until, of course, you look at the 99 and you hear all that grumbling and you think, hmm, which one is really lost here? Jesus was saying to them, that scapegoating those sinners and scapegoating those tax collectors, he, he wasn't buying it, not for a minute. Now, sure, they thought they had a perfectly good reason for excluding them from this wonderful relationship with God, but Jesus' point was that their whole spiritual economy seemed to require the existence of this outgroup. Not that they were perfectly righteous and that a side effect of that was that someone was going to be on the outside because they just couldn't measure up. I think Jesus was pointing out that these folks really couldn't be righteous to this, in the way that they thought they were without having this outgroup to build the whole thing around. If it wasn't sinners and if it wasn't tax collectors, it would have been someone else. And Jesus was saying that any system of religion or culture or, or you name it that retained a segment of people who were less than someone against whom we as a group could find meaning and draw our, against whom we could draw our energy, what James Allison refers to as human sacrifice. It may be religion, but it is not coming from God. If your religion requires human sacrifice, then it is not coming from God. People of a different socioeconomic status, LGBTQ folks, people of color, the undocumented, someone from the other side of the political spectrum, you name it. If there is an other than group in there, then we're missing the point. And that point is not only that God will help us find and restore the lost among us and find us when we are the ones who have become lost. I think the point is that few things delight God more than seeking and finding the ones who have become lost. In which then that joy releases a kind of spiritual energy. Think of the child embracing the parent when they are found. It releases that energy into the world. And I know you're going to think I'm nuts when I say this, but I happen to believe that the celestial grid of heaven is powered by the joy that comes about when God finds us and embraces us. Maybe I watched too many Disney movies this year, but so be it. Yes, it is about recovering the sinner. But note 
that these parables are actually about two things that cannot actually sin. What are they about? They're about coins and sheep. I have never met a sheep going to confession. Not yet. They can't sin. The point is these are things that are lost, not that they've done something bad. And in both stories, they are found, but that's not the end result. It's not simply that they're found and that everything is made whole and the story ends. In both stories, there is a grand celebration. Friends are called that the money that has been found is actually spent down a little bit to throw a big party. And yet, oddly, the woman is even wealthier than she was when the whole story began. That's because the energy, the joy of finding and being found has found a channel back into the wide world. What matters here, and this is where we completely flip the idea of who is lost in the first place, is whether we choose the celebration at the end of the story. Alan Culpepper writes, whether one will join the celebration is all important because it reveals whether one's relationships are based on merit or on mercy. Merit or mercy. The answer can be found in whether we join that celebration or not, whether we share in God's joy in finding the lost, whether we open ourselves to being found. Now, true experts in hide and seek and I am one of them, but I know some five-year-olds who are every bit as good, <laughs> will tell you that there is an art to being the searcher, and there is an art to burrowing into that perfect space, your own secret space that you don't tell anybody about. But there is also the joy, the joy that comes simply from that wonderful dance of being found of knowing that the one who you love and trust is searching for you and for you alone, and of rejoicing in that moment when you are finally discovered and embraced. Amen.